0: Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky. A safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.FriendlyChurch.com Happy Sabbath, everyone. The Spirit is moving. I can feel it in my heart. I could hardly sing when you guys were singing for us. I know when Valentina said her introduction prayer and she prayed that the Holy Spirit will fill our hearts. Immediately, I felt the Spirit coming into my heart. Thank you, Valentina, for that wonderful, wonderful prayer. This is not part of my script, so I'm going to have to go off before I even go into it because I think the spirit is moving. How many of you drive cars? How many of you have a driver license and you drive cars? See, when I grew up in Romania, I grew up only with the driver's side mirror on the door. I never had the one on the right. Here in the United States, you have one. And what does it say on your right mirror? objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. You look around in the world today. You look around in the world. You look around in our community. You look around in our church. And what you see is the sign of the coming of our Lord Jesus. He is closer than it seems to be. He is closer than he appears. Jesus is coming soon, my brothers and sisters. And if you're watching there, we want to give you this hope. Jesus is coming soon. Soon we're not going to have to deal with this. Because he's coming soon. We've been through a lot lately. And sometimes I, I, I don't know what to say and what to do about emails or letters that I get. And... This morning there was this letter in a church office and I was reluctant to open it. Pam opened it for me and she said, Lord, wow, this is wonderful. Dear Sister Lee Day, I do not know you. I do know now from your letter that you have been a member of this church for many, many years in the past, moved away many, many years. But what you're giving us today here is words of encouragement. You're still connected to the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church via live stream services. If you're watching today, please know that we welcome you to our service and we love you. In fact, I'm going to treasure this letter for the rest of my ministry career. It's a wonderful, wonderful letter. So thank you. And I want to say that I miss you, all of you, those that are watching. Uh, But I want to tell you this if you're watching and if you're our members, or if you're watching and you're a friend of the Middletown Church, or you just happen to watch it and you are in Louisville and you can attend, feel free to sign up and attend. So far, we did not turn anybody down, did we? No, we did not. In fact, last week we had seven visitors. Today we have more. And we have room. We have room. So please join us. And before I now go into God's Word to open His Word on His study today, I pray. I, I, I want to say another prayer. Maybe a couple of prayers throughout this message. Lord, we thank You for being with us so far. Thank you for so many blessings you have given us. Thank you that you have put hope in your word. And thank you for leaving us with a comforter. You did not leave us orphans. You have given us your spirit. And I pray that your spirit will take over this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you like him? Like him? Do you like him? Like him? Do you? I like the expression is the latest American English idiom I have come to learn. And it is probably not new to you, but it is new for me. See, when I came to the United States 28 years ago, I was taking ESL classes, English as a Second Language classes, every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday nights. And in one of those classes, the professor presented us with a whole list of American English idioms. And I thought I knew them all until recently I discovered that I don't. (laughs) I overheard a conversation between two teenage girls talking about this young man where one of them popped the question, do you like him like him? I said to myself, hmm, I've been here for 28 years, I haven't heard that. What does this mean? What does this girl mean? Like him. Twice in a question. Like him, like him. Well, as per the definition of this idiom, it means, are you attracted to this young man? So my question for you today is do you like him like him do you and you may say who are you talking about pastor marius (laughs) okay let me clarify i'm going to put it on the screen do you like jesus like jesus in other words, are you attracted to Jesus? Do you like him like him? Do you? And I would like to bring my own perspective on this expression. Think with me. Do you like Jesus? Or are you attracted to Jesus the way he is? Or are you attracted to Jesus the way you want him to be? See, in recent years, theologies of all kinds began to present to the world a new Jesus with lowercase letter who this Jesus is not found in the Scriptures. Many preachers, theologians, philosophers began deconstructing the biblical account and putting it back together with their current postmodern, westernized perspective. And they present a new Jesus to you. The real Jesus... The son of God and the son of man the one who loved you so much that he left the throne of heaven and came to die for you and me Jesus of Nazareth he stated this you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and these are they which testify of me John 5:39 What Jesus is saying here is that the only place where you can learn, find, and know the real Jesus is the Scriptures, the Bible. Anything else presents a different Jesus and will create confusion and deception. My friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, YouTube audience, too many people have already been confused and deceived. I don't want you to be part of that crowd. It is a sign of the end. In fact, Jesus' first warning when his disciples asked, When will your coming be? His first warning said, Take heed that no one deceives you. Jesus was referring to all human interpretations, ideologies, philosophies, and theologies that will flounder about in the last days. Nevertheless, one source is sure the Scriptures. The Bible, it's the only source with capital S, the only source to find, to learn, and to know the true Jesus. My sermon title this morning, Do You Know Him? In fact, before I go on, I want to pray again. Lord, thank you for giving us your Spirit. And Lord, I pray that today we will make a commitment to know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you like him like him? Or do you like him like you think he is? Recently, people began to follow a Jesus who is an angry reformer. Apparently, they say, Jesus is caught up in the emotion of saving the temple, and when he is seen turning the tables the tables of the man, money changers, he is seen as a model of reformation we ought to follow in our church, in our community, and in our country. Let me tell you, friends... Jesus is the Word who was with God from the beginning. He is the Word that is God. The temple and the church are His. He is entitled to be righteously angry. Let me further explain the difference between Jesus and us. Remember that we are called to be like Jesus... We are not called to be Jesus. If you think you have the right to be angry because Jesus was angry, you are deceiving yourself. Your anger and God's anger are different. God is a just, righteous God. We... Are fallen human beings. God's anger comes out of righteousness. Our anger comes out of our sinfulness. Yes, Jesus was a reformer indeed. His whole life was a reformation of what was thought to be the right religion, the right spirituality, and so on. Not just one singled-out incident at the temple when Jesus turned up the table. He was also a reformer when he preached, when he healed, when he showed love, mercy, grace, and compassion to the multitudes. That was Jesus. And Jesus spoke of the mind. He spoke of the inner man. His ministry was reformed to reform minds and hearts. His ministry was not built on angry activism. Many people believe that it's okay to offend people because Jesus was an offender. Indeed, he was an offender to sin. His life was an offense to sin. His mind, his body, his whole being was a true expression of God's love. He said this, whoever saw me saw the Father, John fourteen nine. If you can say, my brother or sister, if you can say like Jesus, whoever sees me sees the Father, then you can offend people. But if you can't say that, I beg you to take a closer look at your Savior, Jesus Christ. People say that because Jesus was a single man, Singlehood is the highest living expression of human life. Would you believe that one modern view imposed to Jesus even claims Jesus as being gay because he was seen washing his disciples' feet in John chapter 13? That is a totally misconstrued fact, my friends. It is simply taking our culture's fallen perspectives and placing those on Jesus' life. So, do you like him like him? Or do you like him as you want him to be? Do you see Jesus as an angry reformer, public offender, single gay man. Do you see Jesus for who he is? We have to be careful to look for scriptures for the attributes of Jesus and impose our fallen humanity on his character. I tell you, it is blasphemy. Anytime we place on on man the attributes of God, and we talk about that a lot. We as Adventists know that, that such as the ability to forgive. Anytime we place on man the attributes of God, it is blasphemy. Likewise, it is blasphemy anytime we put on God, or on Jesus, who is God, the attributes of man. Could it be that we try to justify our own sinful nature by making Jesus something he is not? What Jesus are you attracted to? Do you like him like him? You may have heard this song. I thought you'd do, but I don't know. Yeah. I have a problem with my remote today. Have you heard this song before? I'm going to sing it for you. I'm going to step up here just so you can hear it. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Behold what manner the the love the Father has given unto us that we should be called the sons of god that we should be called the sons of god how many know that song by the way i just want to know okay you know how is that song in runs would you like to do it i i don't have this on my script but i think it'll be so much fun to do it all right let's do this part of the congregation And, well, maybe we can get a few of you here to join us. And then the rest, well, well, you you know it, right? Well, I'll let you lead this one, and I'll be with this side of the congregation. Okay, let's do it. Behold, what manner of love the Father... Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. That we should be called the sons of God, That we should be called the sons of God. Amen. Amen. When I was studying for uh, this sermon, actually, this is the verse that introduces the love of God to his children in 1 John 3.1. And... uh, I, I really was looking at 1 John 3 too, but I said, man, that's a great song. I would like to engage our congregation. Maybe I, I, maybe I can just sing it. But I'm glad you all joined me. That sounded so good. Excellent, excellent. Uh, you, I, I think if you grew up as a children, as a Christian, you probably heard it when you grew up. You probably sang it. If not, I remember, I don't know how many years ago. That was probably in and." So yeah, that's probably 16 years ago. Uh, Calvin and I went to a Fazoli's restaurant and they gave us, well, you know, you get that meal and you get these things for the kids. They gave us a uh, Christian tape, cassette tapes, if you remember them. And they had this song on it. So Calvin and I listened to that hundreds of times. So I know it. I know it. Behold what manner of love the Father has given us <clears throat> unto us that we should be called the sons of God. That's how John introduces, you know, the love of God to his children, to uh, us. Um, Let me read it for you. Behold, what manner of of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Verse 2, be beloved. Now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself or herself just as he is. How is Jesus? He is pure. He is pure. Pure. Two things stands out of this passage, John says. We shall see him as he is. And then he says, he is pure. My friends, we always need to keep in mind who Jesus is. John 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. My friends, Jesus is God. That's how we need to see Him, as the God who created the world, the creator of the universe. Everything we see and don't see, Jesus is God. John 1 verse 4, just A couple of verses down. In him was life and the life was the light of man. Jesus is the source of life. Capital S. The source of all life. He is the creator who gave life and still gives life. Physical and spiritual. His life is our life. His life is what gives us enlightenment. His life still is the light of men and women who sincerely want to follow Him. Jesus is the source of life. And if you go down a few verses in John 1 verse 14. Oops. Um. and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth jesus is the incarnate incarnate word he is god who took human flesh human body and lived among us human beings and when he lived here 2,000 years ago through him and through his life we saw the glory of God's character full of grace not full of judgments full of truth not full of lies or twisted truth that's how Jesus is. He is pure, John says. All of His motives are pure. In Him, in Jesus, there is no shadow of impurity. All His thoughts, all His words, all His actions are pure. Do you like Him like Him? 1 John 3, the last verse of this chapter 3 in First John now he who keeps <clears throat> Oops. now he who keeps his commandments abide in him and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us how can we see Jesus as he is and not be confused or abused by the the ideologies, philosophies, and false theologies of our day. John makes it very simple and clear. By the Spirit whom he has given us. He who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. That's not a new idea, and now it's not a new idea for you. I presented that on July 18th. The idea of abiding in Jesus was spoken of Jesus himself. One day Jesus is with his disciples and you know as his habit is to use illustrations from the natural world from their from their surrounding context to teach them a spiritual lesson and Jesus looks at this vineyard and says Do you guys see this vineyard? It's beautiful, isn't it? Do you see this vine? Do you see these branches? Do you see the fruit? And they're like, yeah, we see it. And Jesus says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. In verse 2, there is a word that comes up three times. What is that? Fruit. Right? It is in singular form, not plural. Fruit, not fruits. And we learned about the fruit of the Spirit on the sermon I just mentioned. You can go to our YouTube channel and you'll find it under July 18, the Surrender and the Spirit. Go back and review it. It's inspiring. It's motivational. It's hopeful to know and understand the truth about the fruit of the Spirit, that when you and I are filled, we get the whole fruit, not just parts of it. We sometimes pray for love, or we pray for, for patience, or we pray for kindness. If you go back, you will know what I'm talking about. When you pray for the Spirit, He gives you the entire fruit, are from love to self-control. Verse four, Jesus says, "I am the I am the I am the true vine." Oops, I guess I'm abide in me. Oh. Sorry about that. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And verse 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, how much can you do without me, Jesus says? Without me you can do nothing. Nothing. How are we to abide in Jesus and how is he going to abide in us? Back to 1 John chapter 3 verse 24. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him. And he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us. How? By the Spirit whom he has given us. Dennis Smith says, When the believer receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he is actually receiving Christ more fully into his life. Through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Jesus comes to dwell with and be in his people. John tells us that the Christians who are living when Jesus comes back will be like him. And the Greek word he's using there is meaning just like him. And the question is how is that possible? Through the daily baptism, through the daily infilling of the Holy Spirit, when that happens, Jesus abides in us and we become spirit-filled disciples. Spirit-filled disciples will have the mind of Jesus. And in reference to having the mind of Jesus, I want to read and make some comments on a Bible passage that is sometimes misconstrued and misinterpreted, is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 13 to 16. These things we also speak, says Paul, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Alright, it's about spiritual, right? Verse 14But the natural man, that is, the man that is not or do not have the, f- the infilling of the spirit, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Have you ever asked yourself, how do we spiritually discern things? Well, it is the Holy Spirit in us who helps us to discern. That's what spiritually discerned means. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Spiritual does not mean coming to church every weekend. Spiritual does not mean praying before your meals. Spiritual does not mean calling yourself a Christian or even a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. Spiritual means having the Spirit of God in you, having the baptism of the Spirit for you and producing the fruit of the Spirit. But he who is spiritual judges no one Judges all things, and he himself is rightly judged by no one. For he who is... Fear- Oops, it went back to 15. I'm sorry about that. Pray for the remote, that the <laughs> devil will live it alone. For he who has known the mind of the Lord, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? A we, Paul says, we have the mind of Christ. When we, are, when we ask for the infilling of the Spirit of God, we have the mind of Christ. We will have the likes and dislikes of Jesus, right? Wow, that's awesome to have the likes and dislikes of Jesus. What ice cream does Jesus like, right? Right? What movies does Jesus dislike? How about music, talk shows, TV, internet, social media and the rest of life? My friends, when we are filled with the Spirit of God, we have the likes and dislikes of Jesus. When we will have the love of right, we will have the, the love of righteousness and the hatred of sin. We'll have the same desire to obey the Father and the same passion for witnessing as Jesus has. We will leave every virtue of character that Jesus had. Pastor Dennis Smith says, Christ living in the believer through the infilling of the Spirit causes the character of Christ to be fully developed in them. The Spirit will take such control of the believer that they will become like Jesus in every way. Do you want to become like Jesus in every way? I know I do. I like this quote of Ellen White. comes from the book Desire of Ages. is a book that is... Very famous for portraying the life of Jesus from his birth to his resurrection and to his ascension to heaven. It's a wonderful book. If you, if you don't have it, let me know. I have extra copies here at the office I can give it to you. It's called The Desire of Ages. And this paragraph comes from page 668. The writer writes this, All true obedience comes from the heart. It was heart work with Christ. Look at this. If we consent, He will so identify Himself with our thought and aims, so blend our hearts and minds into conformity to His will, that when obeying Him, we will be but carrying our own impulses. Wow! Wouldn't you like to have and to live a life or all your impulses would be Jesus' impulses. Wow! How is that even possible? Well, I want to ask you this question. Do you know him, know him? In other words, do you really know Jesus? How can his impulses become your impulses? See, right after I finished high school, I was part of a quartet, male quartet, four guys, four young guys, we're all in our early 20s, and sang for two years, traveled throughout the country in Europe. And I remember when we first met, it was frustrating. You know why? It was frustrating to to rehearse, to practice because we were terrible at synchronizing our cutoffs our breathing stops we were not together we didn't but we discovered something amazing the more we practiced together the more time we spent together the more in sync we became the more time we spend in doing things together and practicing together the more our impulses to breathing became the same. Until we reached a point, and this is a true story, we reached a point where we could take a brand new song, we all read music, so we could read the music for the first time, and we were in sync. Our impulses for song dynamics became the same. Would you like your impulses to become Jesus' impulses. Then let Him spend time with you by abiding in you through His Holy Spirit every day and every moment of your life. And if you give Him permission, He will write His law in your heart by His Spirit. See, all who are ready to meet Jesus when He returns will have God's law sealed or written in their hearts. All who have God's law written in their hearts will have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They are sealed by the Spirit of God. And that's very important. I know most of you probably here have attended a seven-day Adventist um, evangelistic series. You heard every evangelist preaching on the sealing of God's people before Jesus comes. There is the mark of God, or the seal of God, and there is the mark of the beast before Jesus comes. You and I will receive either one before Jesus returns. Now, I'm not going to go into all those details of that topic. It takes two evangelistic sermons to present it. In most presentations, though, the seal of God is presented as the Sabbath or the keeping of the Sabbath. And the Sabbath is at the center of God's law because it is set aside to remember God as Creator and Redeemer. Having said that, the Sabbath is part of the Ten Commandments of God, the law of God, that represents God's character. Now follow with me for a few minutes here. The sealing process is seen in a vision in Ezekiel chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. The seal or the mark was placed upon all who cried for the abominations that were done in the city that represented the world. And the word abominations refer to things not according to the law of God, the Ten Commandments, the things that are morally disgusting. Those who receive God's mark or the seal of God have experienced the law of God written in their hearts which causes sinful acts in the world to be repulsive to them. So this mark of Ezekiel 9 is the same seal of Revelation 7, 1 to 3, which is placed on the foreheads of God's people. Now, how is this seal of God, how is God's law written on their hearts? Because you said you want to have His impulses, right? How can we keep His law? Stay with me for a moment. This is very, I found this very fascinating this week. In in the New Testament, there is a miracle, a healing miracle, a special healing miracle that Jesus does. He healed a demon-possessed blind and mute. And after he healed the demoniac, He is accused of casting out demons with with Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. And Jesus explains that a house divided against itself cannot stand. But rather, he does what he does with the Spirit of God. And take a look at this. The story is related in two Gospels, in the Gospel of Matthew and Gospel of Luke. One in Matthew 2. 12.28, Jesus answered this. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. And in Luke, the same incident is reported, and Jesus answers, but if I cast out demons with what? With the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. So, look at the screen. Jesus equates the Spirit of God with the finger of God. Well, you may say, What's this? Why, why is this important? Remember, we're talking about having the law of God, the Ten Commandments, in our hearts, written on our hearts. Who wrote the Ten Commandments on the tablets of stone when they were given to Moses on Sinai? Well, Exodus 31 verse 18 when and and when he had made an end of speaking with him on mount sinai he gave moses two tablets of the testimony tablets of stone written with what with the finger of god now think about this if jesus equates the spirit of god with the finger of god then the Holy Spirit wrote the Ten Commandments on the tablets of stone given to Moses on Sinai. It makes sense, right? My friends, the same Holy Spirit who wrote the Ten Commandments on tablets of stone will today write God's law in the heart of God's filled spirit people. Apostle Paul, referring to God's children, to, me, to you and me, says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. Like I said about my quartet, when you spend enough time together, you will synchronize with each other naturally. It happens in singing quartets. It happens in marital relationship. It, ma- it happens in any relationship. When you let the spirit of God dwell in you, when you are in the right relationship with God through the infilling of the spirit, obedience to the law of God springs naturally and spontaneously from the heart without hardly even thinking. Because it's written in there by the Spirit. Yes, temptation to 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 disobey will come. However, they will be very much weakened and influenced by the strong desire to obey God that was placed in your heart by His Spirit. So my friends, that's what it means to know Him. Do you know Him? Know Him? I hope And pray that you do. And I pray that as we have our closing song today, we decide to follow Jesus. That's our closing song today. So if you please stand as we have our closing song, I have decided to follow Jesus through His Spirit.